All right, all right. What's up? What's up? This is the Daily High Five Podcast. We don't have Chana here to do the sweet intro, but, ah, but we do have Aaron with a, a knife. That's not a knife. You this call that a knife? A knife? That's why are we? Why do we have knives around? Because we open boxes. We open boxes. That's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly. What's right. up with you, man? You, you you feeling good? I'm feeling better. Not a hundred percent, but. Right. I'm standing. As long as I'm not sitting, I'm all right. But as soon as I sit, dude, it's game over. It hurts. I sneezed the other day. For real, I was coming out of Publix, and I had a sneeze. And I felt when I sneezed, I felt my disc like bulge out and hit my nerve. And it, dude, it sent me to my knees, and it hurts so bad. Uh, yeah, are we, are we just getting old or something? What's going on? Uh, mine's years of BMX, man. Oh, really? Years of BMX is just taking its toll on me. Speaking of which, uh, before I get into you know bike stuff, just want to say what's up to the folks here in the chat. I see you guys, Tim. Of course, always first. Uh, Master Juan, how you doing? Where is he, Master Juan? Tim, Tim, uh, Reverend Slim, Ralph, Ernest. We got uh, Ike is in the house. What's up? What up? So if you Ike? see these little uh, these little icons to say hi fi. That's because they are members of our channel, so you can become a member too, and that helps. Oh, this is for the perks. This is this is for if you want some some merch. Mm. But um, go get that merch, son. No, no, actually, no, I was wrong. This one's but for the merch, don't and the other merch. one, this one, Bitly <clears throat> forward slash Daily Hi Fi Crew. Yes. Anyway, yes. it's hard to do all this stuff. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do this. I'm posting. There's a lot to do. Anyway, um, my my, what is it? I'm trying to get the ages right. You guys are always making fun of me because I don't know the dates. But yeah, my six year old, she just learned how to ride a bike, and it was kind of crazy because, you know, that's I guess that's supposed to be a hard thing. I know how you taught your daughter, Aaron. I remember you told me, but yeah. they have these balance bikes now, where they're just like bikes with no pedals. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's five. F- oh my goodness, five. Angela's correcting me. Don't make fun of me. Don't make happened? fun of me. Oh my God. Oh my God. Five, six, one is six. It's about to be seven. Uh, it's all the same. How are you a how are you You're such a successful one. how are you such a successful businessman when you don't even remember these numbers? Well, you know, the difference between uh between five million and six million is like it's just uh, it's just change at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the, these ba- <laughs> these balance bikes. Um are crazy because they just don't have pedals, but uh-huh. they learn how to like balance. And so once you put the pedals on, it's just a matter of finding the pedals. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that makes sense. Kind of cool. Um, let's see here. If you guys have any questions, also, I'm sure you guys will. You know, super chats are always welcome because it kind of highlights it here. You can, you know, give a buck. Doesn't matter. It just yeah. makes it easier for us to see. And it helps, you know, helps with the channel a little bit. Helps the channel. Yeah. A dollar, two dollars, you know, always, always feel a little bit weird, like saying if you want to do super chats, but let's be real, like it helps. And it kind of, you know, for me, at least it's somewhat motivating. It's like, all right, people like care enough to like, you know, want to see you succeed. They'll throw a couple bucks in your way just because they're, they're appreciative. So y'all want to do that. Hey, that's cool. If not, yeah, it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. And, you know, Sometimes when I go onto another content creator's live stream and I see them, I always 
make sure to just throw in a few bucks because yeah, it's just encouraging to see that people appreciate. Um, yeah. You know, I've been thinking about making videos lately. Some of my videos are not really hits lately. Yeah. You know, you're, you got the hits, Aaron, actually, you got the formula. I don't know what you're doing, but you're, uh, I you're, think you it's numbers. Just, um, man. I think it's honestly, dude. I mean, I don't know how I feel about saying this publicly. I think I, I think I have an understanding of why. I'm curious if it'll keep going. So you think you understand why? Oh, uh, I think a lot of people are just like happy to see me happy again. You know, like, oh. and they're like, cool. Like Aaron's back doing reviews through his divorce. Because I'm willing to bet a lot of people who watch my videos or have probably been through it, and they're like, maybe, maybe I'm giving humans too much credit. But I, I, I look at it from the humanistic point of view, right? Like. People are like, that's cool. Like, I want to see him do better, so I'm gonna watch his stuff now. But we'll see. You know, maybe it'll keep going. But it is, huh. it is kind of cool, man. Like to see some videos, like, you know, to do well. Because I, I don't know. I have some videos that do terribly, but then most of them are doing pretty good for my channel, at least. So I'm happy. Like, it's cool. I feel like people yeah. are actually like, they care. So makes me feel yeah, like I'm maybe. doing something worthwhile now. I think so. I think maybe it is part of that human thing. I mean. You know, it's kind of like a comeback story, right? Yeah. Maybe. We're all rooting for you. Like, in the last video, like, you come in and you look all happy. You just look, you look, like, super happy to do this. Like, it looked like you were giggling before you even, like, press record. I don't know what you were laughing at. I don't know which one it was. Was it the it JBL? Was, uh, the, the blue speaker. The blue speakers? You just popped in. I like, may have been, <laughs> man. I don't even yeah. know. Those, dude, oh. I'm telling you, though, the live videos are so much easier for me to do but the picture quality is terrible so i'm yeah. hoping that my my fiber internet is supposed to be installed this week and i'm hoping that that will fix things because um yeah when i do the live ones like if i mess up i messed up like just keep going right but yeah. but what happens for me is when i edit videos i'm already in my head like trying not to mess up because i don't want to have to edit right so mm. when i mess up i'm like crap there's strike one and then i'm just waiting for the next mess up and then i think of how all of this work now has become exponentially larger because I started off ha not having to edit. You know, you ever had those teachers that start you off with a 100 and they're like, okay, we're going to deduct points. We're not going to let you earn points. We're going to assume that you're doing great. And then it's up to you to maintain that greatness. So when I do these videos, I'm like, I'm starting off at a hundred. And every time I slip up, I'm like, now I got to edit that. Now I got to edit that. And then, so the live videos don't take that. You know, if I mess something up, I just keep going and nobody cares, right? So but what I do you get start off with a C or a, an F? What do you start off with when you do a live stream? What is, in your a mind, you're starting right? off where? Huh? I start off with a, with a live stream. I start off with a C. Okay. Yeah. I can so make it better. Go. I can make it worse. But the thing about those live streams are is once you like mess up your word or something, that's it. Like you can't edit that out. So you just keep going. You just keep talking. You push through it. And the, I love them because when I'm done, I'm done. There's no the stress. Like, got to make sure I shoot this video, and then I've got to edit it, and it's got to look pretty decent, you know. And I don't know that the live streams get a whole lot less views than the the real ones, but they're a lot easier on me. I'll tell you I that think, much. I think you found a formula that works for you because, you know, your your videos are typically not B-roll heavy anyway. You're yeah. showing something from a screen. And it just kind of suits you uh, to do it in this kind of long format yeah. where, you know, people can ask you questions maybe. Yeah, you it's fun. Address. I yeah. like doing that. Yeah. So yeah, we'll that's see. really good, man. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, my, my videos haven't been popping off and it's okay. Do you Honestly. have any idea why, though? Like, 
Is it just like I, I whatever do. it is that you're recording or? I do. I was I mean, talking content, to. I say. Yeah, I was talking to. Uh, I don't know if you watch this channel. Channel. Uh, uh, Caleb Pike at DSLR Video Shooter. No, he has like seven hundred thousand subscribers, so he's doing something right. Yeah, anyway, I talked sure. to him this morning because he had some questions about about uh, some audio stuff. You know, um, so yeah, talked to him. I'm like, hey man, you know, what do you think about this? He's like, eh, just just do what interests you. Because like the problem with me is I'm into some like really kind of I don't know if it's advanced, but more niche stuff than even just audio yeah like we have audio and then i get into this dsp stuff like on another level like last night i was up till i don't know 8 a.m i should have been embedded by like 12 but instead 8 a.m because i rooted this android tablet and i'm like oh i wonder if i could use magic beans to like tune the, the worst little tiniest speakers ever yeah and of course you know i'm gonna push them to the limit because they can't produce any bass Mm-hmm. But it's a good test to see if Magic Beans is, you know, providing the right cutoff frequency, things like that. Like, it's just the worst case scenario. Yeah. But uh, these guys with a niche or niche, I'm going to say niche forever. Whatever. Um, but so that's the stuff I'm into. Now, if niche. I made a video about that, you know how many people would be interested in that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so what am I to do? I can yeah. either make a video that I'm not so interested in, but I know other people are interested in, you know? Yeah. So that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough so, one. I hear you, man. Sometimes I feel like I do a lot of work for these videos and there's like, nobody watches it. And then other times I'm like, I can't believe that many people watched it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have hits mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't. Yeah. So, but that I did like a top five video because people have been asking me to do it for a long time. And I thought ah, three years in, I think it's time I can do a top five of like my favorite speakers. So I did. Mm-hmm. And man, it took off. Like, I mean, it's got like 30,000 sub- subscribers views on it, which is a yeah. lot for my channel. And yeah. um, for other channels, that's like what they get on a regular, you know, that's what they get for just sitting down and talking from the camera, but I'll take it. I don't care. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, go ahead. Continue. I was just going to say, um, and after I did that, I had a lot of people like, would you do a top five that's this, this, and this? And I'm like, okay, I get that the formula is a top five in comparisons. Those are the ones that are going to get watched. But I have to balance that with like not looking like I'm just trying to cheese it up and just trying, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's tough, dude. Like, that's we exactly both know, you and I to. know how to play the YouTube game, right? But, but there's a lot of integrity, at least in my opinion, in not going down that rabbit hole all the way. Like, I think there's a, there's a reasonable amount. Like if I can justify doing, I think I'm going to do one that's like top five under 2,500 because that's a common one that I'm asked. Uh-huh. But so I can justify that, but I don't want to get into where it's a top five every three months because I know other guys who do it. And every time they do it, I lose a little bit more respect for them in all seriousness. You know I really do. I'm, I, I was thinking about this earlier, right? So who think about who would be the one criticizing your top five? Probably yeah. other content creators. Maybe, yeah. Right. And so, but, but why though? Like, is there an incentive for them to, for you to not want to do, for them to, to tell you it's not cool to do top five and then they're going to do top five? Yeah. You know, who's the one criticizing you at the end of the day? Because uh, if 30,000 people person. are watching, they're saying, hey, I like it. It is, it's literally one person and you know who it is. Well, and, he, uh, and, and he called it, well, I got people telling me that this guy was calling it a um, what's the word? A clickbait. And I'm like, not really, because 
clickbait to me, the, the definition of clickbait is something that gets you to watch, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the topic of the video, right? That's that's the definition of bait. But yeah. I think if your title matches your content, then it's not clickbait. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, this yeah. is just some YouTube people well, kind of even, talking about their struggles for everybody else wondering. I guess I guess it's kind of like... Why do I, I know care? What you're about. First of all, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people like it, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who are you going to listen to? Yeah. Because if people are watching it, then obviously somebody likes it. You know, nobody forced them to watch it. I think it has to do more with the algorithm. So mm-hmm. the only thing I'm worried about is all with all this AI stuff, right? Mm. You see some of those videos. You see some videos where, oh, yeah. you know, it starts scrubbing like, you know, and it's just a, a an AI voice and it's doing its own top five. Well, where do you think it's going to get its information from? Yeah, probably going to go from it's going to get it from your video now. Yeah. And other other content, your video is going to get the text and now it's going to kind of do that in its own way. And so at least mine, nobody wants to copy my videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, (laughs) so so Sean, yeah, kind of getting somewhat actually back on topic for the people who might be bored. Listen to us. Yeah. Sorry about this. Um, Sean Olive, who I don't know if anybody most people here probably know who he is, but for some of you who don't, he's kind of like the guy who came up with the Harmon curve for headphones through a lot of research. Uh, he came up with how to more accurately predict people's likelihood of enjoying a speaker based on its objective performance, which in my experience works very well. Uh, again, through actual research of having people come and listen blind ABX testing and then taking the param- parameters and characteristics of these different speakers, measuring them and trying to figure out like what matches a preference and how we can, uh, what's the word, like predict people's enjoyment of a speaker, right? So Sean Olive posted on Twitter a few days ago that with AI taking over, I say taking over, with AI becoming more popular, mm-hmm. that he thinks that what it could possibly do is kind of boot out uh, the subjective-only reviewers, right? Because that's who that's who AI's competition is, because... He even tagged me in it. This is how I know he saw it or uh, how I saw it is Mm. he said, but they can't do what people like Aaron does where I'm providing objective data. Like AI can't do that. Now, somebody could feed AI that data, but that would have to be somebody like, let's say Linus Tech Tips goes out and buys a clipple near field scanner, which, hey, maybe he will. I don't know. And then Mm -hmm. he said it to AI, you know, but that somebody would have to go and invest the money. And I just don't see anybody ever going that route, going and investing the money in a clipple and providing measurements and then feeding it to some kind of AI thing to create videos. I don't see that happen. So in my opinion, I actually see me being positioned pretty well in that regard to where if AI does come over and start taking place of some of these subjective only reviewers, tough beans for them, but I'm good. (laughs) I see what you mean. I see what you mean. You would think that AI would actually be good at the data part. You know, like, he's got to get it from somewhere. That's the thing, right? Well, here's what I found. If it steals it from me, I'm copywriting that every single time, by the way. I'm just <laughs> letting you know straight up. If people start <laughs> using my data to make money off of me, off of my hard work, even though I've not monetized it in the way that I could, I'm, I'm copyright striking them every single time. If somebody wants okay. to use my data and talk about something, that's different. And I've had people reach out and ask if they can do that, and I'm cool with it. But what I'm saying is if a channel goes out and it uses my data and Amir's data, and they try to generate stuff off of that, I'm mm. copywriting that every time. And I will go after them 
by all force of the law if I can. I'm just saying. I'm yeah, just no, saying. Because I, I don't do this stuff for people to take my work and my effort. I'm talking hundreds of hours, thousands, tens of thousands of hours so far in all this. So, so here's here's something that's kind of interesting. If you ever played with Chat GPT, I mm. was I was trying to use it to kind of like I need I need to compare a bunch of subwoofers, right? Mm. And so I figured this would be a good way for me to kind of like make a chart. That's a simple thing. Like I don't want to manually type in this stuff. I I already came up with it. I have the data, right? So it's like, here's the data. Just put it in a nice chart. That mm-hmm. seems simple enough. But then you'll notice if you ask it a few more questions and it starts making changes to the chart, it'll start making up like numbers that are like, that is not the right. Even, that's that's the right. That's that's the wrong number. Like well, that spec is incorrect now. That's crazy. Like you just made up that spec. That is crazy. So it's good at like synthesizing words. But when it comes to data, the data has to be like, don't touch the data reformat it or whatever but don't touch the values and it does it'll start to change stuff up um so that's kind of weird so maybe it it wouldn't be good at um aggregating facts (laughs) yeah for sure well and i've used you know you told me about using ai to pull the trend not pull but me providing the transcript to chat Mm -hmm. gpt and i've been doing that with some of my videos lately to dump the con the the text of my videos into my written reviews. And dude, mm-hmm. that makes my life so much easier for real. Like you showing me that has saved me so much time, but I still, sometimes, sometimes it'll say the reviewer liked blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, ah, get out of here. You know, and it's so, to, the reviewer is me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Find and replace the reviewer with I. Yeah. So it's interesting. The way I kind of see it is not like it's mm, I look at it as a language model where, you know, having to put words together to explain your idea, sometimes the words themselves are actually just filler. The thes and all that stuff, you know, so it makes sense to another human being. Yeah. If you could speak in a, a form like a computer where it's just data, 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 well, we have that already. Here's the graph, blah, blah, you know. So in a way, it's kind of just a way to communicate it, you know, it's kind of like my mind. I have it all compressed. It's a like in a zip format. Here you go. Expand it out so it's readable for everybody else. Right. Well, for that's sure. all. Yeah. So I don't think it's making up stuff that's like critical. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's, it's you know, and you've listened to Dennis and um. God, Brent. No. Yeah, Brent. God, I was like, my mind just went blank. I blame it on the back pain. So. Their past few podcasts, they've touched on AI like leading the charge in reviews. And there's actually, if I've I've Googled a few times different speakers, and there's this website, I can't remember the name of it now, <clears throat> but I think that's what I think somebody behind it is using AI to go and pull specs from all these different sites and it's putting them together. And it's like comparing speaker versus speaker based on the manufacturer spec, at least. And I thought, man, there that. And it's just affiliate marketing. Like, uh, uh, in all honesty, from the perspective of generating income, it's so freaking brilliant, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure it took a lot of time to go in there and write the code for it. But once they got everything set up, it's probably just routine maintenance. You know, like, every once in a while, I have to go and change the code. And they're just pulling affiliate links in. So people will say, you know, I'm interested in this speaker versus this speaker. They'll Google it. It'll be mm-hmm. one of the top three to show up. They'll click that link. It'll have the specs. And then they'll have an affiliate link down there. And that person will say, okay, yeah, 
I want this one. Then they'll click the link, go buy it, and they're done. Mm-hmm. Whoever's behind that, I don't know how much money they're making, but they're making a lot of passive income. I, I know they are because I know like when I review speakers, if it's a one that people are really excited about and they click through mm-hmm. one of my affiliate links, that earns me a little bit. And I'm an itty bitty mm-hmm. little channel. I'm not a top three in Google no. searches, you know? Yeah. So that's that's oh. another thing that is interesting about AI. Hey, speaking of which, you didn't mention it when you're talking about Sean Olive, but he gave you a, a nice shout out on LinkedIn. I don't know where else it was, but he said, like, you you set the standard for how speaker review should be done. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, I actually that's, screenshot that's it. I, deal. Listen, I screenshot it and sent it to my mom. Like, what can I say? <laughs> I didn't send it to nobody else because I didn't want to be like, oh, I got a big head. But for real, I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, like, just... Respect of my peers is the biggest thing to me. You know, when I came on and joined you guys at Daily High Five a few years back, I was mm. legit excited because, like, you know, I watched you guys and it was cool yeah. to be accepted by the community. And um, so, yeah, I, I definitely screenshot it and sent it to my mom. I was like, check this out. I think we need that sometimes, though, because yeah. we do get it the opposite sometimes yeah. from either other content creators or, or other viewers who are fans of the other content creators, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, so, you know. It's uh, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, you know, people are always. I was just listening to this thing, uh, completely unrelated, but this guy said people are always going to doubt you in life. Yeah, that's part of life, but proving them wrong is also a part of life. So it's like, yeah, it's both there. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, what else we got? What are you guys saying in the chats here? I see. Yeah, they're talking about M Wave. Um, so yeah, M Wave you know, went down this week, and I, you know, we we should have. Did Tim go? I, I don't know. No, you know what? So I saw Paul who's sending me photos. I saw Paul. I saw Scott. I saw, um, let's see, Ron. Uh, I haven't seen Ron in a while. But yeah, Ron was there. Um, Chuck. Who else was mm-hmm. there? Mike. Mike was oh, there. Yeah, like you were having a good time. I think, I don't know. Uh, Paul was telling me that he was being the bad influence. I'm not you sure. Know, yeah, to me, that's super cool because uh, these after shows, here's a quick plug. So Perks, Bitly, forward slash Daily Hi-Fi Crew. And we have these after shows where it doesn't seem like, you know, it doesn't seem like much. We're just there talking, right? Yeah, that's all it is. But we hang out for quite a while. And so when an event like this happens, you meet these people in person and it's just like, it's not so weird. Like I've talked to you for hours already you know, on a video. And that's kind of what we do there. Um, so I was kind of, I was happy to see that, you know, yeah. everybody there in person together, you know, like having a good time, Scott yeah. in the background. Woo! Yeah. yeah, I was going to, I don't even know if they were at the actual event. They looked like they were out, <laughs> they looked like they were out drinking somewhere. Yeah. Or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I was, I was supposed to go, but then I, I bailed out because I was going to go to, um, it's called Santa Claus Land in Indiana, and it's okay. about 45 minutes from where I was born, but it's a theme park there, but um, wound up not going because the weather was supposed to get bad, and I blew out my back, so we're going to try to go this weekend if I can if I can drive by then. Yeah. So, But, I, you know, I'm glad that I decided not to go for that reason because I was going to drive up there to Kansas, and it, it was going to be like an eight-hour drive. And I, there's no way, dude, I, I would have never made it 30 minutes. I can barely make it 30 minutes to work right now as my back hurts. Ooh, man. Uh, yeah, Randall, I will be in the after show. I would be curious to know. I'm, I'm sure I know why you're asking. So I'd be curious to know your thoughts. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, 
to anybody that might be in the North Carolina area, there is the Audio Advice Live in Raleigh that'll be going on the weekend of the 4th. I think it might be the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, but I can't remember the exact dates. And if you guys are in that area, definitely make sure to come out at least like one of the days because it's a good time. It's uh, pretty laid back. It's just an audio event. First one I ever went to was last year, and I enjoyed it. And it was nice. And if you happen to go and you see me, make sure you come up and say, hey, I like meeting people and chatting. So, I, Chana said that he just wants to go. Yeah. Hang out with you. Well, Chana's a madman. So. so is that is that like the thing you were talking about earlier where you start off with an A? <laughs> is that a lot of pressure it's on you? It's going to trend to a Z really fast. We're not even going to stop at F. We're just going to keep going downhill <laughs> all the way to Z. All right. All right. Yeah, that's another uh, yeah. one that I've got to drive to that because the flights are just ridiculous. So I'm hoping that I'll be all right there or in time to be able to drive to that. Because I don't. We'll yeah, see. man. Well, take it easy. You know what I mean? Like, like I tell my kids, listen to your body. Yeah. You know, to remind them to go to the bathroom. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. If you got to go, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're you potty go. training them, hey, listen to your body. Um, here's some awesome. Some audio questions. CJ asks, Aaron, what's your preference? Dome tweeter or compression drive? Well, technically it says doom tweeter. So I don't like Whoa. any tweeter that's Is that a doomed. new type? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't have a yeah. I don't have a favorite, honestly. Um they both have the pros and cons, you know. So I don't really have a favorite. I think compression drivers can uh might have a little bit more dynamic range. Usually they're in a, a horn loaded waveguide. And um, so the directivity is more well controlled, typically over like a just a tweeter or a flat dome or a dome, I'm sorry, on a flat baffle. And so domes on flat baffles usually will get a little bit, this is generally speaking, we usually get a little bit wider in sound mm -hmm. radiation. So that's a plus for me personally. Mm -hmm. But they're also typically going to have issues with diffraction where the sound waves that go all around and like hit the edge of the speaker will come reflected back to your listening position and they'll be a little bit out of phase. So they'll create like a dip on axis. And the more you go off axis or the more you turn the speaker away from you, the less severe that dip is. But the problem is the difference in direct to reflected sound could be enough to create problems. And usually what I notice is that it results in like a boosted tweeter region, not the overall level, but it's usually between like four to six kilohertz, depending on the size of the baffle and then the tweeter that's back for dome tweeters on a flat baffle. Uh, dome tweeters on a flat baffle usually will start to increase or decrease in radiation a little bit more sooner than a waveguide speaker. And the reason is because they're broader at the lower frequencies, but around like eight kilohertz for a one-inch dome tweeter, it'll start to tighten up. So you won't have as much room reflection that'll be more direct and that may sound good but generally what i find is that it results kind of in a less spacious sound the flip side of that is compression drivers which are wave guided or horn loaded wave guided they will start off a little bit more narrow and they'll just continue that same consistency throughout so at the lower tweeter range the upper mid-range frequencies they may not be as wide uh, but they are still sometimes a little bit wider than a dome tweeter on a flat baffle. It just depends. What's up? Look at this guy. Hey. What does it say here? TD from the ER. What's you up? okay, man? They're, they're taking my... Doing, hey, hey, 
Look at this amazingly large TV over there. Oh my gosh, oh, dude. Watch out. You have to get binoculars. Hey, it's got Odyssey. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> the stickers are on there still. <laughs> <laughs> That's one you've been to before, uh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring uh bring a microphone and magic beans this TV. Definitely should. When, when we're work. done. <laughs> I, I'm kinda okay. Uh, that's dedication angela says what happened are you okay everything good oh he's out i see that's right. a he just got into a drunken bar fight and he cut <sighs> his finger on the bottle when he smashed it over somebody's head so yeah so uh yeah chana is okay he's okay he, he kind of gave us a little bit of info about you know this was planned uh, oh right. where is it where is he yeah, so everybody just wants to know, are you okay? Hello? Everybody Can't wants to know you if you're okay. Yeah? What no? happened? Yeah. Hello? Oh, yeah. Fred said he just flatlined. I don't know. Oh, I'll be back. Okay. I'll be back. Um, yeah, Chana's all right. We He said that he was going to have to go take care of something, so he's at a hospital. Uh, oh, you know, so here's a question about the tweeter thing. So yeah. maybe uh, uh, Tim can cut that. Uh, but here's a question. Would you say that there's an audible difference between like uh tweeter material? Like when you say brilliant tweeter, be. is there an air inherent? Like there can oh, be. Oh, it usually sounds like this. Aluminum, it usually sounds like this. Soft dome. Is is there are there characteristics right. so, that you find that are consistent? Yeah, there can be, but um most manufacturers have learned how to deal with that. So that doesn't same this it doesn't carry the same way as it used to before. Okay, so um it's not like you know you hear you hear some people say, Oh, you know, this has a metallic sound. Yeah, yeah, no. Is that is that it's not a like real that thing anymore or not? Yeah, no, like metal domes like will break up a little bit sooner in frequency and they'll break up kind of I'm sorry, a little bit later in frequency, but they'll break up kind of strong. And so you would hear those those breakups. And so that's where that comes from, right? People were like, oh, a metal dome sound X, Y, or Z. Well, they used to back when designers couldn't work around the issues or they couldn't maybe break up the, the resonances and the modal issues and push them out a little bit further in frequency. But it's really mm. not like that anymore. So when people say that now, it's just, um, it's just based on like how things used to be, right? Like people sometimes will still say that horn speakers are, that's what I'm looking for here. Horny. Arch, yeah. Like, yeah. Hornish. They're horny. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But it's not mm -hmm. like that anymore because what that came from is like back in the day when you would see like the horn system, you like they'd be a big old wave got at a ballpark and all you hear like, <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't sound like that anymore, but people still have that in their head that they think that they do. And, and in my experience, and this is the truth, a lot of people who say like, well, metal tweeters sound like this or horn speakers sound like this. It's either they're older and that's how it used to sound for real, and they just don't know that speakers have changed and gotten better, or they're too new to understand that they don't need to listen to the people who are still stuck in the past. And that's really what I've experienced. So I I posted this uh, article on my channel. Let's see. What's up, Chana? Oh, hey, I'm coming to help you. you. Here now? I'm gonna get oh, it out. Yeah, you're gonna cut cut that thing out of me, huh? Yeah. Hopefully, I can. Uh, this will happen in a couple hours. We've been at the ER for like two hours, and they're like, "Oh, somebody came in with some serious issues, so we got bumped down the list." 
Dude, did you not tell him a gerbil is a serious issue? (laughs) (laughs) It was ferret this time. (laughs) If it was... uh... It was uh, who's that? They would have taken taken care of uh, Richard Gear right away, but they saw Techno right. Daddy's like, uh, oh, yeah, he could wait. Yeah, um, <laughs> but to uh, to, to, to talk about what you're like, I, I definitely so noticed the difference going from the horn speaker to that electrostat, yeah. so you know, um, different. I, 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 I definitely think, like, I wouldn't say like. If it's an aluminum, it sounds more metallic or anything like that. But there is definitely, especially with, I notice it more with female voices and organic instruments, violins, you know, a lot of stringed instruments. Like there's like more of a delicate quality to them going from the horn to the electrostat and, yeah. and a little bit, and it's, it's, it's slightly, it's, it's harder to hear. It's, it's definitely hard to hear, but there is some, like, there is a difference between the materials when they're using them, you know, what's an AMT or a, um, or a ribbon, like an actual ribbon ribbon. Uh, right. Not a sandwich ribbon, not whatever. Sandwich. Yeah. Sandwich would be good. I haven't eaten anything sandwich all day. Sandwich would be good. Yeah. yeah so I, uh, I definitely agree with you in that. Like, if you're, if you're talking about especially like different designs, because implementation is key. But I was thinking more along the lines of, like, if you took this speaker and you put a metal dome tweeter in it and then you switch it out with a silk cloth tweeter or something like that, then on its own, yeah, it, it could sound different. But if, if somebody goes in and says, well, there's a there's a peak here and we're going to put a notch filter at like 10K or something, then that issue is resolved. So it's not yeah. really as much of an issue as it might and have then, been back in the day when they didn't do that kind of stuff. They'd also have to redesign the crossover for that material Absolutely. as well. Yeah, Because the sure. uh, majority of the two-way speakers i've seen and reviewed that have a an aluminum tweeter the crossover is lower like closer like anywhere in between 1800 to 2000 whereas like um the andrew jones karinas that mm-hmm. i heard at ces he's like oh yeah 2500 or 2400 is the crossover point for those yeah. due to the material you know yeah yeah so, stuff like that definitely matters so the interesting thing is that a lot of the differences that you see are obvious in a frequency response uh, graph. Yeah. Like this is something basic. Like your the Martin Lewisons that you had before Chana, like they really did measure differently because of the way it interacted with your room. Right. So it wasn't like oh you know I could tell because of the property. No, it was just actually like it's easy <laughs> easy to measure. You know? Right. Right. It wasn't something oh, subjective oh. like you know the angels are a little bit louder. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> pretty obviously different in the way it interacted with your room. Now, I I posted an article on my channel where these uh, researchers were trying to kind of like break down music and sounds into different kind of like categories. And I thought it was interesting in that I thought maybe it could be used as a way to uh, maybe a different way to review speakers, you know, instead of the typical... Um, terminology that we use. Let me see if I could find my article. So I'll post this in this link here first. Okay, so there's a link. But um, let me see if I can post my article or my my post. Second. Boom, boom. Okay. So as a breakdown, they kind of break it down like this. 
signs and they describe it as kind of like like a whistle you know like a pure sign mm. clean sound no uh, no other sounds except for that particular sine wave yeah that makes sense um and i interpreted that as lack of resonance or audible distortion mm-hmm. okay well, that's important in the speaker and perhaps certain materials do have a little bit more resonance or some kind of some kind of like harmonics maybe you know but it's not that pure sign i don't know maybe that's what people are hearing i'm trying to i'm trying to understand what some of these like you know golden ear people hear or maybe yeah. what they're describing you know and just in a different way um noise right so uh i'd look at that as a the kind of just the frequency response the the tonality timbre and then clicks which i thought was interesting where they're just seeing like the impulse kind of like the click when you when you say something whatever right or when you hit something uh and i look at that as a dynamic range or efficiency what would you say about that as far as like is that a good way to analyze a loudspeaker in those terms I mean, it's a little different i guess sure <laughs> no you know you don't buy it no i mean it's i i guess it's one kind of makes sense i see what they're talking about i guess to me the interesting one was the signs like looking at it as um you know when you break it down like how well can this speaker produce yeah, a clean sound I, I don't know how what is the measurement for that yeah i was just talking to somebody about like how we do i was explaining to them like what i do when i measure speakers and i was like you know if you take a known tone and it's 200 hertz and you try to reproduce that on the speaker. If the speaker is accurate, then it reproduces that 200 hertz at the same amplitude. It doesn't have like any deviation. It doesn't add more. It doesn't take away anything. Mm. So really, you know, when you do a, a test, that's all it is. It's just tones, right? So that's why it relates to music because music are tones too, right? Sound waves, square waves, all sorts of waves. Well, yeah, how yeah, about yeah. This, how about this I'm kind sure. of a, uh, uh, well, I don't know if one of your measurements probably does this already. But let's say you take a particular tone and your speaker should only play that one tone. But it might actually excite some other harmonics. Yeah, that's true. Unwanted. Sure. Yeah. Even yeah. if it sounds good, you know, whatever. But those are unwanted. You're only playing one tone, but it's playing these other tones. I mean, you can you can like use an oscilloscope and then run like a synthesizer to a pure sine wave and then once you start adding the uh, a filter you can add those harmonics mm-hmm. or you could take away um yeah. so it all it you could probably do it you know you just have to have the right equipment right you know, so, 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 so it's just a pure tone as opposed to anything without uh anything with harmonics or anything like that is there a measurement like that let's say you do a sweep right so it's it's doing actually a single tone it sounds like a a, a a sweep to us. Right. Seeing it as one tone, yeah. next tone, next tone. Yeah. And so when it does each one, is there a measurement that shows how clean how clean it does it without introducing any other frequencies? I think you'd have to run that sweep through an oscilloscope, and as long as the like line, because it, it'll it'll show you um, a full on like perfect sine wave. If you send it a perfect yeah. sine wave, it'll show it. And as soon as um, it introduces whatever the signal is, introduces any kind of harmonics or any kind of anything, you'll see it. I I don't know if you you can actually, I mean, I guess it's a way of measuring it, but I don't know if uh, 
I don't know. But don't... it makes sense though, right? Like if you yeah. play every single tone, a, a perfect speaker should play every single tone without any additional tones. It should just play that one singular tone. And so I can't right. do that. So that what you're talking about would be all the noise at the same time. So does yeah. do you do tests like that? Uh, That's yeah. well, that would be like a distortion test. So a frequency response, uh, it's like listening for that frequency. Like as it sweeps, it's like simultaneously listening for that frequency and it can record it. it says, ah, this is the frequency I'm playing and this is how loud it is. But then what you're talking about would be like distortion testing. Yeah. Any other thing. Is that what distortion testing actually yeah. uh, shows? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. a distortion test, depending on how you run it, will be like a sweep, but it'll also say, I'm also picking up this this frequency, you know, of or at this level, right? And it's a harmonic. It's a second harmonic of this tone or it's a third harmonic of this tone, right? So if you play one kilohertz, the second harmonic, it says, oh, I'm also picking up two kilohertz. So it adds that to yeah, this harmonic. could also distortion. pick up uh, half that too, 500. Yeah, you could do intermodulated distortions so, as well, for sure, yeah. And somebody in the chat, I, I it, it, you know, they were saying that, um, you know, the de depends on how pure the, the signal is too, right? So yeah, there's, there's also, you have to have something like perfect. That's, that's pretty easy though, right? Getting a clean tone. I mean, and, and any uh, synthesizer. I, I got like six synthesizers in the house. They can all do that. You, even. Hey, no talking. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. hey, doctor's here. Gotta go. All right. All right. See, all right. You See you later. So, yeah. To me, that's that cool. it's kind of easy to get the right tone, you know, elect electronically. Uh, is that a new knife? Is that what you're showing off? No. No. Again, I just have it. I'm sitting here playing with it. I'm probably going to cut myself. But okay. Sorry. I get distracted um, easily. So anyway, I I just kind of thought that that might be interesting. So when you do these um, distortion tests, mm -hmm. I would kind of be curious because the what I've seen from your videos is you say, okay, this is the threshold where, you know, this yeah, is fine. Yeah. But what would happen? What would happen if you were to play music and if there was some way to only play? the harmonics or the distortion by itself so I, you can't really do that because whatever you are listening to is going to create its own harmonics right yeah so that's the problem you can't only play back the distortion like you can play around with the levels of distortion in in signal by changing mm -hmm. or adding more or somehow taking away but Whatever speaker you're listening through or headphones that you're listening to is still going to have its own distortion. Uh, the easiest way to probably get around it is just to listen at really low levels where the distortion from the speaker is so low that it's mm. not even going to be audible at all, right? Yeah. But I was I wondering if way to digitally funny. subtract it, you know? Yeah, it no, would... I actually sent an email to Clipple in 2012 with, with an idea that's similar to that. I, it's kind of funny that you say that because when I said it, I was like, they're going to think I'm an idiot. You know, I don't even remember what they said back to me because I was just thought I was, I thought I'd figured, you know, I thought I'd figured something out, man. I can't remember what it was now, but it was basically like, is there a way that once I measure the speaker and know where the distortion is, because can I somehow take it out of the next measurement? But then I started thinking, I was like, I can't do that because the speaker's still going to have its own distortion. So after I sent that email, I was like, yeah. Okay. So no, here, I mean, you're I not saying the same thing. I know that, but it just reminded me of that email I sent. So we both use uh, Isotope RX, and then Isotope you can use these. It's a it's a software to uh, kind of clean up audio, mm. and so you can take out reverb, you can take out yeah. noise, things like that. 
but mm-hmm. there's a feature there where it says like only play the noise. Yeah, right? it takes like the vocals and stuff like that out. Well, let's say if you take out the reverb from okay. the sound. Okay. There's an option where you can click it and it it does the inverse where it'll only play the reverb that it took out. That's so cool. yeah, there's definitely ways to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, the question would be more so that is there an audible difference between speakers that are maybe they have like less harmonics or you know just smoother, you know? You're, that's a whole area of study that people have argued to death. And you can go do your own listening test. Clipple has a, a page where you can go and do your own listening test where they'll add in add in different distortion characteristics like mm-hmm. distortion from uh let's think here like the spider of a, of a drive unit or distortion from a poor excursion linearity so like the motor force right or mm-hmm. uh, distortion from inductance how that's more prevalent in the mid-range area than it is the lower base area and how that's normally the one that you hear the most and so there's actually studies on it and then there's the whole ged lee metric about the audibility of such distortions and how everything is weighted. And so, I mean, but ultimately there's nothing that says, yay, verily, this is the level of the store. Like you're going to hear it if it's this, because it depends on the content. It depends on uh, the noise factor of your room. You know, like if you have really low noise floor or higher noise floor, you're obviously not going to pick up on certain things. Uh, Your ability to hear, distortions is a factor as well. Like how trained are you? So for me, what I've found is 3% usually is kind of like, it's a general guideline. And I would say if the distortion is over 3% and harmonic distortion or multi-tone distortion, then that might be an area that might cause you to give pause on a, on a purchase for a speaker, right? If, especially if you're looking at two speakers and they're very similar performance, same price, you know, and one has distortion that is like, 10% at this output level and the other one has 3%. Well, you probably want to buy the one that has lower distortion, right? Like to me, that's a metric that isn't necessarily grounded in. You're definitely going to hear this because you got all these other factors, but it's a metric that helps you better understand and compare between two different products. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just, I'm, I'm always curious about what's audible. So like the distortion that we're talking about, is it, is the hiss that's coming from an amplifier? Is that, higher relative to the distortion that we're talking about in most cases like you know i hate amplifier hiss oh i hate it yes yeah, it, it annoys me right so what is that level compared to the distortion that we're talking about at let's say three percent that you're saying yeah. and of course this is different because an amplifier would have that hiss with no sound playing out of it right real yeah. obvious. Uh, so i hear you so there that actually is one thing that i wish amplifier reviewers would do is instead of just giving me the synad or synad value Mm -hmm. like test noise and distortion separately because you could like you said you can have a speaker maybe that just for whatever reason has hot not a speaker an amplifier that has high noise floor Mm -hmm. right but relative to that the distortion is really low so as soon as you plug the amp on just like you said it's a perfect example as soon as you plug the amp in you got it attached to maybe a high sensitivity speaker Mm. The distortion, there's no distortion because it's not playing anything. But for whatever reason, that amp is noisy, right? There's something in the chain that makes it noisy. So all you hear is coming through your speakers. And yeah. it's so freaking annoying. So um, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, all these, the, the smarter folks have the answers. It's just, let's, if I have my fan on at a very low volume, I can yeah. tell that it's on. 
if yeah. I really wanted to listen critically to like details in music, I should probably turn the fan probably off. off. Yeah. Sure. And I don't know what level that is comparison in comparison to other distortion. Yeah. You know, I don't really measure distortion that much, but it just kind of got me thinking because like I'm telling you, I'm doing ridiculous stuff with DSP on a tablet. Yeah. Right. And the D so the speaker on this uh on this tablet that I was DSPing, it rolls off it seriously about 450 hertz. And then it's just that's all the speaker can do. Hmm. But of course, you know, I wanted to see what it could do. Like, let me bump up 100 hertz and see if I can hear that. Yeah. Forcing it to do it, you know. And it's way down. I would say if I were to look at the graph, maybe it's 30 dB down. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, like, you know, I bumped that up. I shouldn't be able to notice that that much when I'm playing music. But in the bass, I can tell when you bump it up a little bit. Even mm -hmm. if, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of got me thinking, what is audible? And is it, maybe it's in the bass where... You start noticing more. Yeah. So my guess with if you're talking like distortion. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is it's probably a driver that doesn't have much excursion at all. So you're creating some kind of modulated distortion effects. And those mm -hmm. are audible in the mid-range. Oh, but, they start yeah. affecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the really interesting stuff to me. So harmonic distortion doesn't tell you that, but multi-tone distortion and Intermodulated distortion will tell you that as well, but I just skip intermod and I just go straight to multitone because multitone to me is more important. And um, mm. I did a video on that like a year and a half ago, and I provided sound clips. And you can definitely tell, like at at really low levels of multitone distortion, you can't really tell, right? But then when you get to the point in my testing, it was like three percent. When you get to that level, you can definitely tell a difference. But if you like graduate into it, it's not like you're able to tell. But if you go in AB really quickly. This mm. level versus this level distortion. And I level match the, the signals, right? So I didn't change anything except for just the overall level. So when I play it back, you hear low distortion versus high distortion at the same sound level. But you hear that increased mid-range distortion from the multi-tone distortion, from that woofer going mm. crazy, you know, and overexerting yeah. it, you know, things like that. And it's definitely audible. It sounds like everything is really grainy. That's the best way I can describe it. It, it, so it, it's all related to what we were talking about earlier about the, the tweeter material, things like that, because I had those Focal Stelia headphones that are beryllium. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, man, it sounds like it's whistling when it does the high frequencies. Ooh. Like it sounds not, not, not in a bad way. It sounded so smooth, like it could do the high frequencies so easily. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. I could do another speaker where like, oh, it's about the same, but it wasn't doing it with ease. And I'm like, oh, I hate that I sound so audiophile -y. You know, in describing this, I don't know how else to do it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Sometimes I'm the same way. I, I mean, dude, I just listened to a pair of speakers a few days ago, and I was like, they sound pretty nice. And in my notes, you know, I wrote a couple pros and cons. And I think, you know, one of the, the cons that I put, like, I think I said maybe like two to three kilohertz was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. It seems like something's not quite right there. But overall, I like the speaker, right? Yeah. And the bass output was good, and the ability for it to get loud, it was a it's a six and a half inch midwoofer bookshelf speaker. Actually, I don't know if you can. No, hold on, this way. There, hold on. I don't know. I see a. Uh, I see a elac. <laughs> what yeah. is it? So, the Don okay. Audio uh, Special Forties. Dyn Audio. Yeah, Don Audio. Hold on. All right. I haven't seen a Dyn Audio actually in a while. Yeah, so I, I got those from a car audio friend of mine who um, I posted up 
in my Facebook group, hey, if anybody's got any Don Audio speakers, please let me know. And he's a dealer for them on some other branch. He's like, yeah, what you want? And I, I was like, whatever you can send me. He's like, I'll send you these. So anyway, mm. I listened to them and I, I listened sighted, you know, and I don't have necessarily an affinity for Don Audio. Some of their stuff I think is completely overpriced. Um, and then some stuff I think is really good, but still expensive, but worth it. You know, if you've got mm. the extra money, like I used to run some Don Audio mids in my car, $800 per pair at dealer price, right? I had mm. the hookup, so I was able to get them for less. But I don't know necessarily that they were much better than a set of $200 ScanSpeak full range drivers, really, that like mm. four inch drivers. So yeah, they're sighted. Listening to yeah. this is what I'm getting to. Um, but I was like, I, I kind of like these speakers, you know. And then I put them on the machine, and I saw the results, and I was like, ooh. So that one, it's it's not great, <laughs> not great. And it made me think, like, okay, so why did I like this speaker? And and what I think, and this is just my opinion, is that the problems with the speakers linearity, namely, there's a couple pretty large dips. And mm. dips don't seem to be a problem. Like, I don't know if you've run into that, but when there's a dip, okay. If there's a, if there's a spike or a, a strong peak or something, then I'm, I'm going to hear that. But when there's a dip, it's just something's think, not there. I think it depends on how wide. I look at it as a ratio of like, because a dip means that the rest is a peak. You know, if you think yeah, about no, it. No, no, for sure. It's all way. relative. It's all relative. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've said that a number of times. Like, it, it's all relative. Um, and so like, like curves on a lady, you know what I mean? There's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. curves out and in, you know what I mean? Right. And if there's a lady, if there's a lady behind her and she's just a square or a big rectangle, then you're going <laughs> to see more of her, you know, like there's a shape. I don't so, know what I'm anymore. But anyway, my, my point I mean. was to say that this speaker does not measure great, but mm-hmm. I still enjoy it. And I think the reason I enjoy it is because there wasn't anything that, that stood out negatively about it so when i went back and listened to it again filled in some of the the peaks or the dips okay um it sounded better but yeah could have been worse so she's coming uh, smack you on your head because you forgot your daughter's age uh yeah i know it's all right what's up she's getting the vacuum um right what i was gonna say i forgot how handsome you think i am (laughs) oh yeah um oh yeah so here's that here's that measurement of this uh tablet speaker because i'm sure everybody's dying to see it yeah i was going to ask you i I gotta do it i have to this is a little samsung galaxy tablet but this is after i eq'd it you know because uh before it looks pretty ridiculous oh it's actually a tablet okay it's a tablet okay you know you know that's the response of it you know it has a naturally crazy 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 Wow. You see that one? I like that. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I was EQing it. And so you could see what I was doing. I was trying to extend the bass out over here. Yeah. (laughs) Normal roll off is probably, like I was saying, like 450. I'm being generous. Mm -hmm. But then I I went, you know what? Let me just go nuts. What happens if I keep it at a super low volume and just do this? (sighs) I forced it. Just let's see what happens. And it was making some pretty bad noises. I'll but bet, what man. was interesting here was these changes here. You see this this green line. Let me get this off of the screen for a second. But you see this green one here. Yeah. How below here, I could I could bump up 100 hertz easily. You know, mm-hmm. and you would think that's so far down compared to this mm-hmm. that it's like who cares? Like, don't even bother. But yeah, I could hear it when you're playing music. You can hear oh, it's making it sounds different. It 
I wonder if that's, I don't know how these things are constructed. I'm just curious. I wonder if those speakers, if there's any like kind of tactile speakers built into these two, like at some frequency, it makes the frame resonate. I, I mean, probably not, but I don't know. Yeah. So it could, it, you know, anything at low volume can make bass. It right. just depends on the volume, right? So if I were to put my ear to this and at low volume, I'm like, oh, that sounds like bass, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so anyway, I, the interesting thing was just that even changing bass down here, that was, look at it, minus 25 relative. Oh, this is, yeah, here's zero, 30, minus 30. Bumping it up a few notches here was audible. Right. And that was kind of surprising. I don't know if it should be surprising, but I was expecting to not hear that difference. But I could. Um, yeah. A little side note: Check out this uh, MacBook Pro that I use, the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. So, you know, slim profile. But look at this. Here's a near-field measurement of the MacBook Pro. Whoa! Are you not nuts? That's pretty darn good. Yeah, because they use uh, these. They use dual opposing. <laughs> ah, yeah. Okay. Force canceling uh, drivers in there, and I'm like. This MacBook sounds ridiculous. Yeah, of course. That's pretty cool. It, it does dynamic stuff, so you you turn it up and then it starts tapering that off a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not even here. But yeah, look at that. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, let me get this off the screen. Who cares about uh, little tiny speakers? But that's it's cool. One of those things oh, where if you test tiny speakers, the same principles apply. But you just start seeing interesting things that you're not used to seeing. You know, measuring normal speakers. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what else? Let's, let's answer some questions here. So we got this one. Let's go down the line here. What's your favorite recommendation? Studio monitor speakers with Bluetooth, please. Nivek. Nivek. Man, I don't even know. Favorite re- studio monitor speakers with Bluetooth. Those two yeah. go together, right? I don't know that I've run into any. So, I mean, I was just kind of thinking the, um, like the Klipsch, you know, those are pretty cool. The JBL mm-hmm. 4305Ps, I've reviewed those. Those have, I think those have Bluetooth and those are pretty awesome. But if if you're going for something maybe a little bit cheaper, something like the Klipsch, the fives, and then just bring down the high frequency some to, to even it out, I think that's a good worthwhile purchase for sure. Yeah, I think I think what I would do if I were you is just find a good studio monitor speakers, uh, good like the Cali Audio ones, and then just add Bluetooth to them. You can find like a Bluetooth adapter. I wouldn't necessarily look for one that has Bluetooth as a, you know, as a yeah. selling point. You know what I mean? Just yeah. find a good one and just put something into it. And that's true. I mean, honestly, Bluetooth is kind of Bluetooth. I don't know that Bluetooth is, I would consider it really high fidelity. I listen to Bluetooth stuff all the time, so I'm not knocking it at all. But I'm just thinking, like, I wouldn't go into it worrying that you're going to mess up the signal if you make an adapter for Bluetooth either. You know, it's probably going to be just as good as it were if it were native Bluetooth. But I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Reverend Slim was saying. Um, oh, which one? Uh, would be more like the SVS Prime Wireless or Clips the Fives, which I don't have any experience with the Prime Wireless. But um, yeah, they're I, good. I, I did they're, mention they're the good. Five. Have you reviewed those? Yeah, they're good. They're, they they handle that. Handled- should I should I bother to send them an email to ask them or meh? They had a weird uh, dip that I asked them about. Yeah, and I said, why is there a dip here in the response when you guys are fully active on this? It's not like yeah. like you don't have an excuse to have any type of dip, unnecessary dip. Yeah, you know, 
because they use the same tweeter and all all the stuff. So very much the same design as their other speakers. Uh-huh. And I was just like, that is so weird. They never really got back to me on that. Um, but that's the, only, that's the only thing. Other than that, you know, so as far as functionality, SVS is consistent. They make good stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, expensive a little bit, I would say. Yeah, I mean, like they're... Is it not the Ultras? What's their... They're lower cost bookshelf speakers. I I reviewed those and I, I remember like kind of being like, mm. um, and then I I do have a review for their their more expensive bookshelves. And I remember thinking they were better, but they're not up to date with like today's quality of speakers. So I assumed that if they were to redo those and make like an MK2, they could make a better version of it, but still not bad. But that's my experience with their speakers so far. So to me, if you're gonna make an active speaker. It really needs to make use of that DSP. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and add HDMI and all the features and all that. Okay, so they added HDMI, but it, I feel like they could have done more with the DSP. Like, like do something crazy with the bass, make it dynamic. I don't know. Do yeah. something with it. Otherwise, it's kind of like just get their other speakers and get a small class D amp, and you're done. You know? Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, let's see what else. Reverend Slim was asking, that's a good question. Um, yeah. For you, was it the Prime Wireless Pros or the original Prime Wireless? Oh, I have the new ones. The new ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Prime Wireless Pro. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else start here? <clears throat> Raphael says, why don't you guys cover more home theater content stuff instead of mostly setup? Isn't the point of all this to enjoy great Atmos or DTS experiences at the end of the day, be it Blu-ray, streaming, etc.? Hmm. Why don't we make more? No, I thought I thought like I definitely. So I'm more the two channel guy of the group, right? Like I've had a home theater and all that stuff. I don't now, so I, I say that leading into when I joined up with you guys a few years ago, I thought where Raphael is coming from here, I agree with him. Like in the last maybe one to two months, like the home theater at most talk has kind of subsided some, but. I think up until then, you guys were heavily talking. Because, I, dude, I would spend half the time standing here like, I ain't got a clue what these dudes are talking about. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's that's why I don't talk HD content because I don't have any HD going on right now. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I thought we talked a lot about home theater content. Uh, as far as uh, instead of mostly set up, isn't the point of yeah, they're talking about like just Blu-rays and streaming of Blu-rays. Maybe not. I don't know if y'all have really ever oh, done content. a lot of that. Home theater content. Um, I don't know. I think other people do that. I'm just not interested in reviewing would, yeah. the actual content. You know, like if I right, watch a movie, right. I'm thinking about the movie. How good is the movie? Yeah. You know, I'll leave it to you. the other guys to analyze. Was it a good mix? Right. I think... Um. So I don't watch Shane Lee's videos because it is, I think, more generated for that. And that's just not mm-hmm. my bag. Yeah. But he might be somebody. And then my buddy who we've had on here, Tech Enthusiasm, Jeremy Pyle. Does he? He's got a channel, Tech Enthusiasm, and he does a lot of stuff uh built around like home theater content. So make sure you check him out. I'll I'll find a link, I'll drop it in the chat, and you can go subscribe to him. He's a yeah. good dude too. So um Bodie says, uh, I think this is in reference to what we we're saying earlier, like, you know. We know what popular videos there are. What videos are going to be popular, but sometimes you don't always want to do them. He says, "You got to do you." We love it. Uh, when you love it, it will come through. Personally, I'd watch a video of you calibrating someone's system in real time, 
at least the first measurement. Yeah, you know, some of the stuff can take a while. So yeah, maybe the I don't second measurement it would be. You should do. Hey, no, that's actually a decent idea. If if somebody's cool with it, maybe when you get set up to like do your magic beans and it kind of rolls yeah. out. Yeah, maybe you should do like a. Um, I don't know if you feel comfortable doing a live stream, but do maybe do a video on how you set somebody's system up using using that. I'm sure you definitely probably plan will, to do it anyway, but I definitely will want to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll I mean, definitely do that uh, once the app is out. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not the funnest thing to watch, right? Because that stuff, when it comes down to it, it's the result that you're after. You know, when you take your car to mechanic, do you really want to watch all the details of what he's doing, or do you want to just get your car fixed? Most people mm -hmm. just want their car fixed. Some people, if you're interested, yeah, maybe maybe you will want to see how it's all done. But that's not most people, so that's the tricky thing. It will take a lot of time to make that video, and I don't know how many people would really be that interested. But maybe there's a way. Um, what else we got here? Master uh, Juan says, you "Go ahead. You want to read that one?" No, no, no. I was I was going to say somebody was asking about um, some harmonic okay. source and stuff, and I was just mentioning that we had Brent and Dennis on um, last last week. Was that last week? Yeah, last week. They all they all were also talking about you in their most recent podcast about your uh, review of the Dutch and Dutch HC. So, yeah, I, I went back yeah. and listened to that. That was cool. That's interesting to see how the Dutch and Dutch is like, because the, so they didn't really have a lot of, um, and, and I think Dennis was the one who was saying it, and it was a very good point. Like, they weren't going to shows. They weren't mm. really repping the brand heavy here in the U.S., mm. you know? Yeah. And so when a friend of mine who was one of their reps and, and another guy who I, I don't know, but he was mentioned in Dennis, by Dennis as well, when the reps started going to these shows, these big shows, and, and showing off these Dutch and Dutch speakers, everybody's like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And it's like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's I get it. It's hard to hear them. Like, there aren't really dealers, or there weren't, at least at the time when I reviewed them. And the only reason I knew about them was because I'd seen the data, and I was like, dang, those look impressive. Mm. So that's why I was really interested in getting them. And I happened to talk to the right person, and it just worked out. Uh. Yeah, so Master Juan, you want you want to read that one? Hey, Aaron, I'm considering building a tower box to house my bookshelves, giving them the appearance of a tower speaker instead of using a regular stand. What do you think? Good or bad idea? I think it's a great idea, first of all. And uh, did we talk about this recently, Joe, in like a live stream? Because I know I've mm. talked about this on a live stream. It may have been one of my own, but I kind of mm. went on like a mini rant talking about I wish manufacturers would take these bookshelf speakers, don't change it, and just put like a false enclosure like below it and make it look like one big tower. And and I actually asked um, somebody, I can't I don't even want to say who it is because I'll give something away, but I asked a manufacturer about one of their speakers that I that I quite enjoyed. And I said, Hey, have you guys ever considered doing this? What Juan is saying? And he was like, Let's just say that we've been talking about it. So maybe you might start seeing stuff like that for manufacturers. All right. So it reminds me of those Wharfdale Lintons. Yeah, because they came yeah. with a stand that yeah. hit it perfectly, and you could put the records underneath, and it looked nice. Yeah, you know, it matched the the wood and all that stuff. You know, I always say stands. People who are trying to save space by using bookshelf speakers, you're not really saving space because you can't put anything underneath them. Yeah, you know, so that space is actually been taken up. Um, yeah, those right. Wharfdales, you maybe like you can put some stuff, but I, to me, the Wharfdale is a perfect example of. 
just sell an empty box by itself and let me set the speaker on top of it so it matches. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I know it's going to cost more money, but that would be cool as heck. How about if they work the opposite way? What if they're like, here are some mounts so you can hang the speaker from the ceiling? Would you would you be down for that? Dude, I don't know if I put in some, you know, <laughs> it'd have to go in the joists. All I know is that those my two by ten joists or whatever, they better line up at the right positions because I don't want that speaker falling from the ceiling one day. Imagine eh, that's not a bad idea. I don't know. Uh let's see here. Did I uh, uh, let's see here. How about this one? I have three subwoofers and only two subwoofer out since should I label match each subwoofer out or eat subwoofer? So uh, level you, match. Oh yeah. But I don't know what eat's supposed to be. I don't know. You shouldn't eat subs, but... That sounds painful. Um, he's a mid-bass maestro, and he has the spatial calibration toolkit as his thumbnail, so that's awesome that's cool. with Chana's little uh, signature. Yeah. Let's tell him in tandem, buy the mini DSP 2x4 HD. Buy the mini DSP 2x4 HD. It's what? Yeah. 199 bucks, Or you get the 2x4 for, for 99 bucks, right? And at yeah. the least, you'll have time delay and level matching capability for all three. You may not have the same power of EQ and may not have as much delay, right? I think um, Croson had, had confirmed once that it was like maybe 25 milliseconds of delay for the Pro or the HD and, and like mm -hmm. 10 for the other, something like that. But spend the money. You're a mid-bass maestro, right? Yeah. Take your car audio money and use it on a mini DSP 2x4 HD. Yeah. Yeah, so even in my system, I have the two subwoofer outputs. I have two subs in my living room, but I just split the sig the the one signal just because there's not enough that the AVR can do with the two mm -hmm. outputs. It's not like it's it's just doing levels for the most part. Yeah, uh, I guess a little bit of time delay. But when you have three now, now forget it. You know, get the mini. Yeah, that's, that's a new thing for sure. Mm, let's see here. Uh, okay, so from Bodhi, he asks, with MultiQX, can you ditch the mini DSP? And I would say, uh, for the most part, you can, unless you have more than one or two subs. I, I, I'll let it go up to two subs. But if you had more than two subs, you still want a mini DSP. But if you're talking about the functionality... It makes your AVR like a mini DSP for all of the channels. It becomes a filter bank for every single speaker. So instead of getting a, a mini DSP DDRC88A that's like eleven or twelve hundred bucks, gives you eight channels in and eight channels out. Well, you'd need two of those if you wanted to do Atmos. So you might as well just spend the two hundred bucks on MultiQX, and now you can do that for all your all your speakers, but you still may want a mini DSP for your subs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Fred says Chana's so smart when he's in when he's in the ER. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's a doctor now. This one makes sense. Chris Hamilton says active speakers should allow you to tweak their DSP. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. like even if it's an advanced. But the thing is, you've got to be able to get into it. So they'd have to build the software around it for you to be able to get into it. You know, so there's that. 
Like there's a cost involved, either either software or like a, a GUI, you know, mm-hmm. on your phone. So I would think that would be the first major hurdle is they've got to they got to have somebody to do that. And I don't know if people want to do that stuff. Yeah, they got to make it easy. Otherwise, they're just going to create a headache for themselves. Right. You know, because people are going to mess it up. They're going to oh, do absolutely. something weird. People think they know yeah. better, myself included. Oh, I, they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to fix this. Uh, uh, right. I, I like what Bucart did where they gave you kind of like different presets. Yeah, that was cool. They give you a boatload of them too, man. Like eight or nine or ten or something different presets. They give you a ton of them. But yeah, definitely. I think it's a good idea. If you have active speakers, here's, here's kind of the secret. Any active speakers, somebody had to program that DSP. So it's definitely possible for someone to program the DSP. It's just a matter of letting you be the one to program the DSP. And it might not be a user-friendly interface. So that's kind of the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be easy for some guy who that's all he does, you know? Right. Uh, what else? Uh, here's the last start comment here that I see, and then we can get going. But he says, uh, Michael says, is it still recommended to have the crossovers of all speakers the same or within 10 to 20 hertz of each other? Hmm. It varies. It depends. Mm-hmm. That's the easy um, I think the answer that I would give is if they're all the same speaker, then it makes sense that maybe 10 to 20 hertz of each other. But if they're if you have towers in the front and then some tiny speakers in the back, it's probably not a great idea. So it, it depends. Yeah. It depends. But um yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because there's so much involved. Like you may want to cross over your front speakers lower if they can handle it, because if the front speakers can fill some kind of null, let's say your subs, no matter where you place your subs, uh you're getting this like dip around like 50 hertz, but your main speakers can cover it. Well, you probably want to let it cover it, you know? Um, so yeah, but you also don't want to set all your other speakers to 50 hertz. That's probably not a great idea. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's kind of what I was saying. It really just depends on the situation. Sometimes you may want, you know, front towers to be crossed a little bit higher, a little bit lower than maybe your center channel for some reason you know it's all about the overall implementation and i was thinking joe you with all the magic bean stuff you've been doing i'm sure you've run into some really odd situations that buck what we would consider the norm right as far as what like you know maybe you've seen somebody have these tower speakers in this room and maybe they've somebody else has had the same speakers but in another room and the responses on the low end look completely different because it's very room dependent to some degree right so maybe one setup you would say all right, I'd cross the towers at 100 hertz. And the other setup, you say, I'd cross them at 80 hertz and use your subwoofer from 70 hertz and below. Or right. maybe you'd run the the rears, you know, 100 hertz or 120 hertz or something. Because it, it a lot of it is room interaction as well. And you're trying to find... That's why I really believe that, like, there's a lot of... Myself included. So I'm not, like, saying that I'm better than anybody. There's a lot of people who don't have the capability to get the the full potential of their system because they just don't know better, right? This stuff mm-hmm. isn't easy. It is, right? The basic stuff is easy. Wire up a speaker, set the generic crossover 80 hertz, call it a day. Mm-hmm. And that's where ignorance is bliss. And that's where I could wish I could say, look, stop right there. Don't ask any questions. Just enjoy it and enjoy your life because the rabbit hole is deep, 
deep, deep. <laughs> okay, so here's a an example that I gave in our Discord group. Uh, so here's the Harmon target curve. A lot of people like to use this particular target curve, which they, you know, Floyd Tool said, nah, we didn't make that to be a target curve for anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's so, the misunderstanding many people have. So let me get this uh, out of the way here. So, okay. So that's a Harmon target curve. Now, here's the target curve that I've determined for my living room. Okay. Well, uh -huh. the base is not the same as the Harmon target, especially here. Yeah. So my the target curve in my living room is different. I mean, the mm -hmm. treble uh, it doesn't need you know as much roll off as a Harmon target curve. So that's mm -hmm. not correct for my living room. Mm -hmm. Now here's my home theater. Well, I I shouldn't use the same base rise, right? Mm. My particular room doesn't require that. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's my kids' room, and here's here's a way to think about it: a house curve, target curve. House curve is the way I look at it is what the room does to affect the sound of the speaker. It kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's going to depend on the speaker. It's going to depend on your room, how reflective it is. But also, it depends on where your listening position is. So check this one out. This is my kid's room. Look at the face rise. Why is wow. that? Is that Why a really small that? room? Well, or... because where they sit is right against the wall. So the yeah. sub and the speakers are against one wall, yeah. and they sit against the other wall. So what do you expect? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Double loading, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get huge bass rise, right? Yeah. That is a function of the room. That's the reason why. That's the house curve of that particular position in that room. Okay? <laughs> Crazy. Now, here's my studio. This is where we're at right now. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so a lot of curves coming up now. It's this green curve here. Now, keep in mind, this is Harman Target, right? The one I'm flashing here. Here's my studio. Okay. That's the curve that's required to sound correct in my studio. Yeah. None of these are Harman Target. Yeah. Right? They're significantly different. Right? Here's Angela's office. That's the kind of the closest, I guess, to the Harman Target, this one. Now, here's what's interesting. If I take all those out, and I just take an average of, well, did I take an average? Uh, we have Ike's, right? You know, here's a here's another interesting one. This is an example of why uh, the speaker matters. A line array. We know what a line array does. Yeah. As yeah. you back up from speakers, typically the high frequencies drop off. But a line array doesn't drop off at the same rate. Mm -hmm. So you notice that the target curve for a line array ends up becoming just more, this is flatter. Mm-hmm. Right, because there, it, as you back up, it doesn't uh, fall off as much, and it shouldn't. If you if you try to make it do this, like the Harman target, it's not going to sound correct. Right, you're forcing it. That's the danger in generic curves. I agree with you. So yeah, Alan's house curve. Here's Fred's. Right, his his is kind of similar to my home theater. Right, and so if I take an average of all of them, though, you know the the kids' room was probably throwing it off a lot. But if you look at the an average of all of them, they start to kind of look more like the Harman target curve, mm. right? If I were to kind of exclude, let's say, if I selected all of them and I took out the kids' room and I took an average and I clear that, boom. Ah, you know, still not the Harman target, right? But right. kind of you get the idea. It's, it's more base and then the treble starts to roll off. However much it rolls off depends on the room. So anyway... Um, point being, harm target's not 
perfect for every situation. Not even close. Yeah. You know, the idea is you need to figure out your specific room, your speakers, and there's there's going to be a different target for each room. So, um, I want to see Ike's room curve. And you know, here's the interesting thing about Ike's, right? So, uh, the target curve also relates to like the correction that you want to make to the speakers. And this is, I don't know if this is exactly his target curve, but it's related to the, the correction that we wanted to make to his speakers. Let me show you here. Uh, boom. Hopefully this is not boring you guys too much. But you see how the treble is rising instead of Harmon target curve? You expect it to slope downwards, right? Why? Because he has a, an acoustic transparent screen that's killing the treble. So oh, we yeah. want to kind of bring back some of the, the treble. I got you. Yeah, so that's so why. When the screen's in front of it, though, does it still look like that? Is that what you're saying? That's measured with the, in, the screen well, in place? What ends up happening is the screen makes it drop off too too much. Yeah. Right? It's dropping it off super hard. So, like, in order for it to sound, like, normal, you need to actually raise it back up. Hmm. Yeah. So you got to remember, like, the target curve is also the correction sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, it becomes part of the correction that you have to make. So anyway, not going in that too much. Uh, what hey, else did we you ever, here? Did you ever review these speakers, the DBR sixty twos? Yeah, they're pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. They're not like yeah. I already did my review. You, you'll see it tomorrow. But yeah. I, to they me, were, like I consider uh, them debut. Yeah, the debut. Or no, okay. hold on. Are they the debut reference? Okay, so they're they're the two way, not concentric, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were they were cool. Something about it just made me feel like it was like uh, I don't know. I felt like it was boring or something. Like something about it, just like maybe nothing, you don't something like, more than exciting about it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't the, like the feeling that I got was like to me everything just kind of was was there, right? So I, I said in my review, to me they're the epitome of just a good speaker. Nothing is like stands out as like really great about it, but nothing is really like bad about it. And it's just a, it's a good listen. It's a non-fatiguing listen, has decent bass extension, mm. pretty neutral. You know, there are some issues, but, but it's kind of like for 700 bucks. Yeah, I definitely would recommend. My thing is whenever I talk to people about ordering stuff, I'm always like, look, pick a few that you like and get them all and listen. Mm. Don't ever just order one and think you're done because that could lead you astray. You that know one you is a weird speaker. That, that's one where it kind of tripped me up because like the measurements look good. Like everything looked pretty good, but for some reason I'm like, I don't love these. Like, I can recommend them. I can recommend There's... them. It's not like they're low on my list. It's just something about them. I don't know if it's maybe it's just a, a design. Maybe my eyes are telling me I don't like them that maybe. much. But I, you know what it was? It's almost like I look at them. They're 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 not the cheapest speakers, least expensive. Right. And I I think it was maybe like I wanted more bass extension. Did, mm -hmm. How low did those go? What was the? I think the F three Anacoic was fifty three hertz. Is what I came up with. Really? Is that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good. It's it's kind of along the lines of a bookshelf speaker, you know, a typical bookshelf. It's not super low, but it's not super high, right? I, so I'm getting more into the F ten now. Like so, oh, yeah, that's why I show both. I want to know the slope, right? So I like yeah. to me the F three like gives me an idea of like where it starts to roll off, but the F ten, I think the F ten was. 41 hertz so mm. once it starts rolling off it rolls off pretty quick but you know, like most rooms are at 12 db per octave when they start loading 
-hmm. and typical it's like 70 hertz 60 hertz you know for a normal sized room mm -hmm. so as long as you can get down to that as long in my opinion as long as you can get down to 50 with a bookshelf speaker then the room will help carry it down like maybe a half an octave lower and that's mm. good enough in most cases i always still recommend it i don't think i've well i'm sure there are some bookshelf speakers i've come across and said you maybe you could get away without using a subwoofer but I would say pretty much every one of them, like 99% of them, you're going to have to use a subwoofer if you want to get below 40. Debut so that or put them right up against the wall, but then you got other issues. Debut reference. Okay. I'm just seeing I have measurements of those. Uh, yeah, they look, they look good. You know what it is? Um, were, are they already downward sloping like um, on axis? Uh, I don't believe so. I can check oh, my measurements, but I kind of feel like they were, there's something in, there's like a dip around two to three K, I think, um, that I, that I believe I said, I've kind of noticed in my listening, but I don't remember if that was it or not. It was so, moving. All right, hold on but I, I, so I understand, I think where you're coming from. And for me, it's, it, when I was listening to them, I was like, they do some things that are like pretty good. You know, again, it's mm -hmm. nothing that's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a, a good, a safe bet. You know, like if you're looking for something reasonably neutral, I can tell you a bunch more that are terrible and cost twice as much. I can do that mm -hmm. for sure. So let me just see if I you reference I, my next video. I think I have scheduled just us still talking about that, uh, that Cali audio, INUNF. And I just yeah, kind of made a joke. I made a joke. This is what the best reviewers, because, you know, all the reviewers say best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the best reviewers talk about. Because it was just us nerding out. Yeah. Like, so I hope people much. get that. Like, anybody knew the detail that, like, you really did not want to mislead people with the measurement. Like, it was a big deal, right? Yeah. Whereas most people are like, ah, whatever, dude, just tell me whatever it is. Like, I don't care. Right. But it's like an hour of us talking about like, Hey, you know, but this and this and this, and like going in great detail yeah. to make sure that we're giving good information. And I hope people Try appreciate it, man. Heads so. up. You're going to get a lot of comments about how I had the base module turned upside down. Cause I got a lot of those myself. Well, you had the base module turned upside down. That's why I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Not mm -hmm. at that frequency. It doesn't matter. So just a heads up. Uh, you're going to get that. You debut reference. Okay. Yeah, debut uh, reference DBR sixty two. Now, so yeah. they had another ELAC, which was I think the concentric one that was their reference. That was like maybe a thousand bucks per pair or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that one actually does have a sloping on-axis response. And the reason Andrew did that, and I, I verified with him, is because it's got such wide even dispersion that mm -hmm. if it was flat on axis, it would sound bright in room. So he made mm -hmm. it tilt down, and actually Kef somewhat did that. I mean, just barely somewhat, like maybe one or half a DB worth of slope with their reference one meta, which is one of my favorite speakers of all time. I think these are some of the measurements that I was getting in room. So here, I don't know if this looks like anything, but I took a bunch of them. I think, yeah, debut reference. Um, That seems about right. Is that on axis? Uh, yeah. I don't know. This was a while ago. That seems about right. Because I was comparing it to the the. UB I remember that. Yeah, I remember that little dip in that like lower uh, tweeter, upper mid-range area being there. And so actually, I think in my review, I recommend 20 to 30 degrees off axis is probably the best positioning for them. 
Yeah. That that make that makes enough of a difference to me, at least in my ears, that it makes them a good contender. Dude, the mm. number of people that I have coming back to me saying that I made a video about on axis and aiming speakers and stuff. And so yeah. I'm, I made the video because I wanted people to understand, because I got a lot of questions like, well, when you say toe in or toe out, what do you mean, right? So, so I'm going to mm. make a video so people understand at least what I mean, whether whether it's what other people mean by it, at least they know where I'm coming from when I talk about it and everybody has the same starting point. And when I talk about toe in or toe out, my reference point is always the front of the speaker, like the baffle is facing you, not turned away or not anything like that, because the large majority of speakers are designed to be listened to directly on axis with the tweeter facing you, not facing mm-hmm. out into the room or anything, right? And mm-hmm. maybe they used to be back in the day, but they're not done that way anymore. So I've had a lot of people say, well, your toe in versus toe out is different than mine. And my speakers have always been parallel with a back wall. And oh, it's just very interesting how, I guess, maybe designs have changed. But that my gripe then is with the manufacturer because the manufacturer isn't telling people how to aim their speakers. They're leaving a lot open to interpretation. And I think what a lot of people do is they don't know that the tweeter axis should be pointed at them if you want the high frequency stuff, right? So they just sit them and they point them out into the room and they're done. And it it, it kind of frustrates me. I, like I'm not even frustrated at the people who are commenting saying, you know, like, that's not how I do it. That's fine. Like, again, my point wasn't to say I'm right or wrong. It was just, there's my reference. Now you at least know what I'm talking about. It just aggravates me the more I see them because I'm like, dang it, the manufacturers are really, they suck, dude. They suck. Yeah. Somebody write a freaking manual. Tell the p- engineers, <laughs> what's that in the office where the guy's like, I go to the engineers and talk to them. You know, he's the lead, he's the yeah, middleman, yeah. dude. That's the somebody engineers don't know how to talk to people. I know how to talk to people. The engineers don't know how to talk to people. He's like the liaison between the engineers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the manufacturers are doing because I, I read pretty much every manual that I get to see, like, all right, what does this manufacturer tell us? Because sometimes they'll tell you, and they want it to be aimed a certain way. It's rare. You read, but the then manual. when you measure it, and it's like, well, it's flat on axis, or you go and talk to them. Or you see their demo rooms and they're pointed straight at the listener. And it's like, Come why can't you just tell me? We people? know what it is. We we know what it is. It's it's this because it doesn't look as nice, you know. It doesn't. No, you you're absolutely right. Toed it in, and especially if weird. the other one needs a little more toe in, then it's like, I don't know. That one's pointed yeah. a little bit this way. I agree, you know, man. If it's pointed straight, then it's straight. You know, it's right in line with the other ones. Looks great. I agree. Uh, it is, it does it look is. super weird when they're pointed at you, but. Just for what it's worth, for those who don't know, most speakers these days are designed to be pointed at you and not away from you. So here's what they should do. They need to make a speaker where the baffle is angled in and then the grill is like the other type of tri- other triangle that's complementary. Yeah. So when you look at it from the front, it looks yeah. like a straight ahead. It looks exactly. like a straight ahead, yeah. But the grill has got to be just like super thin, like metal, me- like no like mesh. You know what I'm saying? Because it can't disturb the frequency response of the speaker. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, you know what? That I reviewed the uh, what the heck were those speakers? They're ones where they're like weird looking speakers. They're actually still high up on my leaderboard. Maybe still the top one mm-hmm. because they were you face them square, and the 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 woofer and the tweeters angled like forty five degrees. It's like it's like don't don't tow it in at all. Like you just put it up against the wall. It's made to go up against the wall. Yeah. Um, what interesting? Let me see. Was that the one Larson? Was that them? Yeah, the Larson fours. So they were using some good drivers, 
mm-hmm. you know um the response is kind of weird but it's almost like it's one of those like bose things like the ones that you kind of like like i know what's wrong with it but there's other things that i like about it right like the fact sure. that it's meant to go up against the wall well sure. you're going to get a lot of a lot of bass from that well i like bass yeah you know so i i like that they took into account hey you know we're going to get this reflection so they have like sound absorption like right in the back of it it's kind of like a weird design but I appreciated the practical approach to like put them against the wall and we'll take care of the way it sounds through the way that we designed the speaker. And yeah. it sounded pretty good. I liked it. It did yeah. other things. Um, Let's see here. Where's that? Oh, yeah. Before we go, I want to just leave this. Maybe we can talk about this another time. But you know how we were talking about, um, well, Chana and I were talking about 45 degrees for left and right speaker. Mm, yeah yeah and we were saying that that's how it is done in logic and people you know most people say no it's 22 to 35 degrees that's Mm -hmm. a known thing uh in in dolby you mean is that what you're talking about yeah in apple logic using dolby atmos and i've had a conversation with reverend slim for seriously like two or three hours but this is from the logic pro user guide from apple's website and it shows, you know, if you're using, uh, you know, this kind of setup, 5.1 ITU standard, 30 degrees. Yeah. Yep. For 30 degrees. Right 30 degrees. Yep. This is, we all agree on that. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, once you get to 7.1, <laughs> they decide like, this is the ideal mixing position that the left should be here. And it says it in the, you know, it, it's, I don't get that's wild. It, it makes sense because yeah, you have 45 degrees here, 45, 45, 45, 45, 45. That yeah. makes sense. But it's not in accordance to the previous ITU standard. And that's that's all we were saying. I'm yeah. not saying right or wrong. Right I'm wrong. Not yeah. Move your speakers. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying this is what it is. What you want to do about that, whether whether you want to move your speakers to 45, that's up to you. I don't know. Yeah. Whether they need to change this or I'm just saying it is this. That's all. Hey, can you scroll up just a couple to where there was a bunch of speakers in the front? Oh, yeah. So that the one. old Sony Dynamic Digital SDDS. That's hilarious. I did that in my car like 10, 12 years ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that was a... I, I was trying to do rear fill, and I was like, what happens if you put like a, the rear fill speakers up front and make it have more ambiance up front, right? So that's kind of what I did. The angles weren't the same, but I, that's the idea I was going for, was putting actual speakers. Yeah. And I think about actually so, trying that in my Tesla. So, so this is uh, the LC is supposed to be like left center and right center. Yeah. And it's just the in between these two. Yeah. Right. You're physically, you're basically forcing the soundstage to fall out in a certain way. Right. Like the mapping and stuff like that. Like for car audio, this makes perfect sense because in car audio, we, we judge center, soundstage, left and right. And we say, all right, well, the center is the acoustic center, right? Like it's between the the acoustic left and right. So in a car, you can easily have the soundstage sound like it's further out, like on the right side of your car, if for left-handed mm. drivers. Yeah. And the left soundstage limit would be like just at the A-pillar. So mm-hmm. what does that do then? The, well, that shifts your acoustic center over to the right. It's not in the center of the car anymore. It's over a few inches to the right. And that's yeah. the, the biggest thing that people struggle with when they go in to set up their time alignment they will physically try to place the vocalist in the center of their car 
but it's not completely in phase because that's not where the acoustic center is. The acoustic center is over to the side a little bit. So if you dial back your time alignment one way or the other a little bit, you'll lock that vocal in and that's where your center is. But it throws you off because, you know, like, again, car audio competition aspect, people expect the center to be roughly the center of the car and it's hardly ever that way. Yeah, you know, what's uh, the first time I've ever heard this, you probably heard this a bunch of times, but I heard this guy referring to the tuning of the center image on the car as the American way and like the European way. Have you heard of that? That's one like more out of phase. No. Okay. So I guess, I guess a lot of European cars, like German cars, uh, they put the center image so it sounds center for the the driver. Oh, the driver. So it's right in front of them. Yeah. Right there. Whereas a lot of times the rest make it so it's the center for both of them. And so yeah. it would be slightly to the right. I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. So so that that is something that when you put it, when you put your center in front of you, it, well, first mm -hmm. of all, it's not the acoustic center. There's no way it can be unless you have your left speaker and your right speaker equidistant from that acoustic center, right? There's just no, it's not going to be that way. And what that means is then that your right soundstage, your right center and your right speaker, speaker, mm -hmm. you know, the, the soundstage imaging is going to be broader on that side than your left. So I'll start back over. Let's say you got a perfect stereo triangle and you've got mm -hmm. your center dead in front of you, right? And you've got your left speaker 30 degrees to the side. You've got your right speaker 30 degrees to the side. Okay. In a car, you sit over a couple of feet. So now you're actually sitting about 15, maybe 10 degrees off from your left speaker and even further, way further than 30 degrees, like 45, maybe 60 yeah. degrees from your right speaker. If you don't leave your center vocalist where it was and you move it with you, so where it's in front of you still, that collapses your left soundstage. Like all the vocals are in a tight little spot about 10 mm. inches apart from each other. There's nowhere for it to go. But your right soundstage is wide open about two or three feet wide. And so it mm. doesn't make any sense. You can never have a center directly in front of you. Right. But you can try to force it to be that way, but it's never going to be that way because you're never going to have even spacing between images from your left to your right. Is that that? Yeah. It may be kind of hard to. I, 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 I get it. And uh, it's just I wild to people to do this. I was, doing, I was even doing some uh, level matching yeah. using binaural mics because, yeah. of course, our head affects things. Uh -huh. And I was coming up with some pretty crazy stuff about like, I wonder if this is the better way to do level matching. You know, because what I think is actually happening when it comes to level matching, just, you know, we'll throw it out there. Who cares? Is I think that your left ear is going to be the first time arrival for the left speaker. Yeah. It's also going to be significantly louder than this one. Mm -hmm. right? But a typical measurement, you know, for home theater, at least, would be putting the mic here. Mm -hmm. Well, that hasn't it doesn't take into account at all of what your head is doing. Right. So. I your head actually acts kind of like as a boundary also. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is depending on the angle of the speaker, if it's coming from here, from here, it also affects things. Right. You know, because so I, I think the better way is to level match based on the loudest sound at a particular ear. So mm -hmm. anything that's on the left, typically, you're going to want to calibrate that. So it's this, a certain level for at this ear. And then for anything on the right, it should be about the same level at this ear, right? Right. Not not what's in the center, right. you know. 
And I think it, it really matters that it's the mics are on your head. I think it actually does something level-wise even. Not, not even talking about frequency response. I think for some reason, there's definitely something to do with the mic being near your head. Anyway, yeah, that's some, some crazy stuff. And before we go, I just want to leave leave this. I talked to, you probably know who it is. Who it is. I was talking to a guy, and he's talking about some uh, some crazy measurement stuff from JL Audio. And I was like, dude, how do you, like, do you, like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I I, I work for them. I'm like, that's freaking cool. Dude's like, like level, man. Dang, I w- I got chills right now because my 13-year-old self, 15-year, whatever, you know, to think that I get to talk to a guy who works at JL Audio, like, damn. You know what's crazy is cool. I don't think that he has an engineering degree or physics background or anything. Mm-hmm. He started mm-hmm. working in a car audio shop. I remember him asking me questions early on, and, like, he would ask me questions, and I would be like, dude, I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. And then... Few years later, man, he's working for JL Audio on their DSP stuff, and he's just like, I mean, I've met him. Have I met him in person? I don't think I've met him in person, but I've had a few Skypes with him. And the yeah. impression that I get, you know, you meet those people sometimes, they're just like, for whatever reason, everything just clicks with them about whatever topic, you know? He's one of those guys, just like, I'm just in awe of people like that who can just easily get stuff. And I'm just like, man, that's so cool, you know? Like, teach me. Teach me. I was asking him questions about stuff and he was just telling me stuff. And I was like, yeah, 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 I got that. I got that. And then two or three minutes later, I'm like, hold up, start over. <laughs> you know, like I you lost me, dude. So it's yeah. always cool that to, to have somebody like that who just like who knows so much and is so willing to share that information. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool yeah. that you've gotten to meet him. It's it's a small world, ain't it though? Cause when you mentioned him, I was like, I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just crazy because I'm into DSP stuff. And the car audio world needs DSP more than any other space. Yeah, dude. You totally sure. need So they're super advanced when it comes to DSP stuff. Yeah. Like they're on the next level. So it's just, I just thought it was super cool. I'm like, man, this is not such a bad job. You know what I mean? I get to talk to some smart people. Yeah. We get to play with speakers. This is, a, this is fun. So I hope, you know, I hope you guys have fun, uh, you know, in watching our videos, watching these, these uh, podcasts, because it's just for us to kind of relax and just be normal. Because like I've said before, YouTube is kind of a lonely job. Even though I'm here at home, if I'm measuring speakers, I can't have the kids running around. Got to be quiet. They got to be in another room. So, you know, and then you're sitting there editing. I hate editing. That's what we're doing. You hate it. I do, man. I really do. I mean, it takes me so long to edit a video when I can just, sit down and talk off the cuff, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just easier. And if I mess up, I mess up like no, yeah. nobody cares. Cause it's like having a conversation, you know, it's just so informal that it makes it so relaxed. And I enjoy that aspect of it. When I edit something, I feel like I'm under the gun to make sure everything is perfect. You know, I, I, get it. I do that to myself. It's like this. I think it comes down to this because there's an opportunity for you to cut the parts where you made mistakes it's expected. So yeah, if yeah. you pre-record it and you don't cut out those things, like why didn't you just cut this stuff? Yeah. You know, like because it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. Jo- yeah. Join the after show bitly. Uh, let me see. Yeah. bit.ly forward slash daily hi-fi crew. If you want to join the after show and that's really the funnest part, we get to talk to all these people. We make 
legitimate friends. I can't wait to see these people in I person. Hear about wave. Yeah, I want to hear about what happened over there. Hold up. You made me think of something. You said bit.ly. Uh -huh. so it made me think of immediately. Huh? Bit.ly, man. Remember <laughs> Method Man? Yeah, M-E-T-H-O-T, man. Man. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and then August 12th and 13th, if you're in the SoCal area, I plan on doing a little something around here. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll give some more details. Basically, I want to maybe do a little, little something where a little get together for people who are nearby and, you know, show off what magic beans can do. I have some extra speakers and, you know, I got some speakers from monolith. I wanted to review some new stuff from them and they happened to send me speakers. I've already reviewed. So I'm like, what do you want me to do with these? Like I've already <laughs> reviewed these. They're like, uh, well, why don't you give them away at your event? So we'll do that. And, uh, yeah, have a couple other companies who I've talked to. This is not anything crazy, nothing serious, but basically uh, they're like, yeah, let me know what you guys need to make it a cool event. So I maybe those guys will even come down, but it's not going to be anything crazy. It's just uh, I have some extra space and I want to meet some of you guys. So 12th and 13th, if you're in the SoCal area, stay tuned on my channel. Uh, but for now, we're going to go to the after show. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'll see you guys later. Holla! All right. Bye. Bye, YouTube.